Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Ron Carson. Ron, are you ready to do this? George, I'm, I'm ready to go. Excellent. Let's do this. Ron is the CEO and founder of Carson Group, which serves investors and financial advisors through its businesses, Carson Wealth, Carson Coaching, and Carson Partners. The mission is to be the most trusted for financial advice. I'm excited to have you on. Ron, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, well, I'll give you a Reader's Digest version, George. I grew up uh, just north of Omaha on a farm. I thought I was going to be a farmer my entire life, and in 82, my parents went broke during the farm crisis, and interest rates 21.5% for the prime, believe it or not, wow. and uh, and I was in I was in study, or in the library during study hall, reading Money Magazine, Top Professions of the Future, right at the top of the list was become a CFP. I became a certified financial planner um, and started the business out of my dorm room in, in 1983. Today I have three kids. Um, I love, I'm a pilot. Actually, we had a little um, plane that hardly ever flew, uh, meaning it, we had, it would quit in the air all the time. So my dad <laughs> made me learn to fly. And so I was terrified of flying, but now I've, I'm a pilot. I've logged about 8,000 hours um, primarily through my, my travel for business. Um, I'm an avid, uh, wine drinker, collector, love to bird hunt, have a grandson, three beautiful kids. One works at Carson. Um, she just recently joined about a year ago last week. My middle daughter is uh, a business owner. She's in the cookie business, cookies, Car- uh, Carson's cookie fix. And she ships thousands, thousands of dozen every week all over the country. And my son is at the Johnny Carson School of Filmmaking and is going to be a movie maker. He's uh, finishing up um, in December of this year. Well, very cool stuff right there. Cookies in the and movies. I'm, and I'm I love huge, it. And I'm a huge animal lover. Animal. I got my chief comfort officer beside me right now, which is <laughs> Nelly, which is our lab. And uh, and we we have lots of dogs that we that come to work every day with our internal stakeholders. Oh, I love it, man. Very cool. All right. So from 1983, started in the dorm room with, I, I could picture it, a phone book and just, just a telephone, the way things used to be done. Um, yep. I mean, that's that's a long time in the business, and you've obviously grown to, to be one of the more successful um, financial people, um, certainly in, in the industry. And your mission is, is an ambitious one. Um, and I'm just curious how... How how is that coming along? Do you feel like like it's, like you're you're making progress? I I believe we've made great progress. I mean, it's amazing, George, that I've been and it's what I've learned over 36 years in the profession that tell me. I mean, this is wide open. Nobody owns the space. I mean, arguably, if you did a consumer survey and ask, you know, who do you trust most for for retirement plans? Probably Fidelity is going to come up. I think they own that space. If you said, who do you trust most for low, co- low cost mutual funds? Vanguard comes up in the space. But if you ask a consumer, who do you most trust for wealth management? There would be no consistent answer. It's all over the place. And 65% of Americans still do not trust financial services. They throw all of us together. So the independent IBDs, the RIAs, which you and I are, wirehouses, all in this, this huge um, category. 
And the fact is, all the crap that went on um, during the financial crisis and prior to that, most of it still goes on today. And and when I travel around the country, um, I'll be going to Indy tonight. So we're opening a new office. And I ask the question, you know, who knows the difference between a fiduciary and a broker? Very few people know. If, if there's anywhere from zero to one hand goes up and the one has a vague idea. I even spoke at the CEO summit. I had, you know, 60 some CEOs from all over the country. Not one of them said they knew the difference between a fiduciary and a broker. So I think time's right. Um, we have had amazing growth. When I started this, we were roughly a billion dollar RIA. We will, we will, we're, as we sit today, we're just right around 10 billion. We may be, we're probably a shade under, um, and we will end the year around 12.8 billion. We've de developed, we call it value beyond a doubt ecosystem where clients and advisors enjoy a single pane of glass and uh, where they're able to measure and I think that's a big problem of, of the profession. A lot of advisors have a hard time measuring and showing the value they're delivering, you know, to the clients they serve. So, so a long-winded answer to it's going really well, and we're getting a lot of really top advisors that are that are uh, on this bandwagon. As a matter of fact, when I go to um, Chicago or uh, Indy tonight, uh, my two uh, partners there, um, they're they're a five hundred seventy-five million dollar. RIA that um, really is starving for uh, really capable technology that can deliver lots of services, making the complex simple for them and for their clients. But at the end of the day, how do we measure that? How do we show value beyond a doubt to the consumer? And that's really it, right? And, and I think that that's what people want. I think people want, can, consumers want to know that the person that they're working with, they can trust, they understand, they have a, a positive relationship with them, they know that they have the best interest in mind. Um, so how, why do you think that you've been successful at, at doing what you've done where so many other people have failed? Um. Why I think I've been successful, and really I say I, I want to say it's, it's not me. It's, it's, I've, first of all, I've surrounded myself with the brightest people I could find, and I got the heck out of their way. Um, <laughs> and, and when you called me, I was just doing an interview with one of the smartest people I've met um, on AI as it relates to you know, managing investment portfolios who's going to join our, join our, our firm. And when you remove, I want to take a big step back. First of all, I believe that the RIAs are by far in the best position to serve the client. We have to be a fiduciary. We have to put the client's interest first. But with that, George, comes lack of, of a lot of resources. Let me just tell you a quick story. I was referred a client on the West Coast. Um, they're, they're getting ready to have a liquidity event. And they're going to have a lot of their money. Families have a lot of money. And they said, you know, we were with Merrill Lynch, and that was an awful experience. We just didn't understand all the different ways we were paying and where they were making money. And, of course, that's how I believe that side of the world, you know, likes it. And then he said, we went the opposite approach. We went to a really small uh, adv independent advisor, but we realized we liked him and trusted him, but he had no resources. So when I, when I launched, um, in 83, I launched the Carson Wealth retail offering. In 93, I got into the coaching business. We have 5,000 roughly advisors today. 
that are part of our coaching group. We have 20-some thousand active alumni. So I, I saw this huge group of people that wanted to do the best they could, but they didn't really have a conflict-free model that had a ton of resources. And, and so I said, let's build it because I, I did, I brought together really a mastermind group of some, some of the RIAs in the space and said, here's what my vision is. Uh, do you think it'll work? And one of my closest friends, board members today, so that's the worst idea I've had. No one's gonna, <laughs> you know, gonna jump on this thing. I, I told him, I go, it's Steve Lachins, his name. He was on, he was number one uh, on Barron's list a few years ago. And I go, that was really my first true motiv- motivational talk, Steve, when you told me it wouldn't work. <laughs> and it's worked beautifully because it, the best advisors know to be a true fiduciary you can't be a library of information. You have to step back and say, I need to be a librarian. I need to have the best subject matter experts I can, whether it's tax, legal, investments, education planning, the list goes on. And if we're trying to dabble a little in this and a little of that, you become a jack of all trades, master of none. And then combine that with clean stack technology, meaning we don't have any of the old legacy systems. Um, and when you go in and you have an experience with Carson, consumers tell me all the time when I travel, we, tra- we serve 28,000 uh, consumers in the U.S. today. Um, they go, we love the experience. When, my, when our advisor said he was going to you know, join, they either partners either fold into our RIA or they actually sell a portion or all their business to us. Like, I didn't know it's just another move, but I like George or whoever it is. But wow, the experience has, has blown me away. The, the proactive communication, the additional ways that you get out ahead of things that I haven't even thought about. We call that the third dimension of trust, by the way, George. The first dimension that consumers want to, the hurdle they want to clear, is my money safe? Are they going to steal it? And today that's a pretty easy hurdle to, to overcome. The second dimension is, is my advisor going to put my interests ahead of their own? Hey, 65% of Americans don't believe it, and rightly so. So a little higher hurdle. The third dimension of which Carson is trying to operate and continue to operate at even a higher level is anticipating a client's needs on things they don't even know about. I'll give you a great example. You know, I have clients, they have kids, they have grandkids, we have their ages, they're going off to college. How many advisors are proactively saying, here's a medical power of attorney? You need to actually have this done because clients, consumers, or their team isn't really thinking about it and they get off to college. Some think about it, but most don't. That's one example of how we can get out ahead and, and anticipate someone's needs before they even know they have the need. Well, I appreciate that. I think that that's awesome. So very well thought out and structured, obviously. And I, I love the idea of being a librarian versus being a library. I think that's a great way to think about that. So, all right. So, Clients today are are having to to deal with so much and sift through so much information and try to make decisions and we're we're very 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 busy. What what do you think is is currently really difficult for clients to do that if it was if it was easier for them or maybe if if they did it would make all the difference for them. Well, the um, where clients can have make a huge difference in their life is first understanding, just making sure they're with a fiduciary. It sounds like, hey, it's a little thing. It's a, it's, it's, it's a massive advantage that you'll have. I tell people all the time, if you know this one thing, only this one thing, only go tell someone you love, you'll make a difference in their life. And then number two, 
you have, you know, I think the reason people make bad decisions is they get spooked. Is someone really watching this? Do they really know what they're doing? Are they capable? Are they competent? And having, having a well thought out plan that is continuously and constantly updated and reviewed what's going on internally with your life, what's going on externally, then gives you confidence to know, hey, there are people that are looking at this. I had a prospect in last week. Uh, I said, you know, what do you not like about your advisor? He said, the only time he's ever called me is when he wants me to do something and he's never told me something I don't know. He's never got out of front of something that I should have been doing that I'm not doing. He goes, that's why we're coming to you. And so it is complicated. And what happens, George, is because consumers, investors don't really trust the system. They end up being the coordinator. So they, they, you know, they'll have their CPA who sits out there, they'll have their alternative investment advisor, they have their insurance agent. Well, they become air traffic control. So they're now responsible for making sure all of these pieces and parts not only communicate with each other, but do it in a way that they're working toward the, the client's common goal. And to the degree when people log into our single pane of glass and they can, I'm gonna come back to the pilot analogy, they can look at the dashboard and they go, oh, I see that. Oh, I see that's happening. I see my advisor just in the, in the things I communicate and we actually in our um, dashboard, they can list priorities and then they can update priorities. We can update priorities, show the status of what those priorities are. They can actually see in real time what's being done for them and IE makes them more successful because they don't have to be that person that's directing all the services. Yeah, I think that that's oftentimes what happens is is we're 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 used to doing things sort of siloed, which is what you're talking about, and then oftentimes the client becomes the person who's who's directing the whole process, and that's just not going to be an efficient thing. So, if you can find a relationship with somebody that you trust that has your best interest in mind and can help you drive that process or take that responsibility off your plate, then that's probably all for the better. So that that is that is well said. Yes. So also from uh, just, it's kind of one of those really, really big, difficult questions. But if you have, if you have so many Americans that, that you're engaging with, I think you said uh, 25,000 or something to that effect of actual clients that you have and so many advisors that you've worked with, what is, why are the other half of Americans who are living paycheck to paycheck and couldn't come up with $400 in case of an emergency, what what is the disconnect there? Yeah, so um, I actually have a I have a call literally right after this that hits on that topic, George. I mean, our there's um, I think people we don't teach this stuff in schools. By the way, um, we the even you know some more colleges are getting on this and they have CFP programs, but it needs to go back to the high school level you know, just basics of, of, of finance and what it means and getting started early and having a discipline because you and I both know you get started early. It doesn't take a lot and it takes very little sacrifice to actually have a great retirement someday. And so I think we're feeling right at the very, very beginning uh, with education. Um, and so it's making it more, more, more difficult for someone to catch up or become educated later in life or so far behind behind the curve but i think there's not for this to get too political but there's a fantastic uh read called the centrist manifesto 
And there's also a good uh, book I just read recently called The War on Normal People. And I'm a, uh, a Blinkist. Um, have you heard of Blinkist before? I have. George? Okay, yeah. So I've read more than 200 books so far this year, so I'm a junkie with information. And I think it's harder today than ever for people to, you know, the, the middle class is disappearing. And that's, I think, why we have so many people that cannot withstand even a $400, you know, unexpected expenditure. It used to be we had a lot less, and but there was enough opportunity, enough to catch up later on in life. As I travel around the country, I'm shocked at how hard, hardworking, I always used to say, as long as you worked hard in America, you could be anything you want. You can make any amount that you wanted. I'm not so sure that's the case today. I don't believe it is the case today because I see too many people working two jobs um, just, just to get by. And they're not extravagant at all. And I think it's because of the polarization politically in this country today. And I think we need to, you know, you have to be an extremist on the left or the right to get elected when most all of us have more in common than we have difference. And it's created it's created an environment that hasn't been so conducive for uh, keeping the middle class moving forward. So there's two answers, right? It's education. And I think that there's in the middle of the country today, um, there's a lot less opportunity for the middle class to, to do as well as they used to. Get it. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, Ron, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Uh, difference-making tip. Pay attention to the cash uh, at your bank. Today, if you're with a bank, or you're with Wells Fargo, or any of the big banks, checking and savings, you're probably earning 20, 30 basis points. They're making it a minimum 220 basis points on that, at least the Fed funds rate, if not higher. And if they, if you were consciously paying a 90% management fee, you would fire the advisor, yet banks net it before they credit it, and you don't really see it. So flip that. Um, we're launching a, um, a service called Galileo, which will allow us to then manage all that cash for our clients. We'll, they'll get a 2% yield in today's environment, FDIC insured to $2.5 million. So don't, it's the little things done exactly right that have an astonishing impact on down the road and just getting the most out of your cash uh can can make a big difference in the end well that is great stuff that definitely gets come on come on and ron thank you so much for coming on where can savage nation learn more about you uh you can follow me oh, first of all carsongroup.com and my all my contact information is on there i'm avid linkedin so i have Plenty of followers. I put lots of uh, thought leadership on there. I do. I also do um, a column, uh, contributed article once a month in Forbes or uh, Twitter, um, and that's AZ Husker. If you want to follow me on Twitter, excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Ron your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to CarsonGroup.com. Follow him on LinkedIn. Follow him on Twitter. And I'll list those in the notes of the show as well. Oh, and George, it's, it's R.C. Husker. I'm sorry, I have my Peloton uh, handle. It's R.C. Husker. <laughs> Perfect. For Twitter. All right. Thank you again, Ron. All right. Thanks, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step by step. 
from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.